Hello, my name is Xavier, and I'm going to read the Bible for us today. Uh, our first Bible reading is from Psalms chapter 51, verses 1 to 17. You can follow along in the church Bibles from the back table, in your own Bible, uh, or on the screen behind me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. The second Bible reading is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, as a guest amongst you, I appreciated the welcome that you've already given me and my wife, Lynn. And we go to the scriptures this morning. Uh, Psalm 51 is our major Bible reading. So uh, let me begin in prayer. Lord God, we, we thank you for the, your Son, our Lord and Saviour, the living word. Lord, we thank you for the uh, written word, the scriptures which we've heard read this morning, 
And Lord, we ask that in the spoken word, you might speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The key verse, of course, is verse 10 that I want to put before you again. And uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, Did you watch the pirate video? That was a good one, wasn't it? And and look, if if you forget uh, my sermon this morning, heaven forbid someone might forget my sermon, uh, just remember Pirate Pete uh, and his message. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There is an old proverb. uh, You might uh, be familiar with it. Um, Cleanliness is next to... Everybody's kind of heard that one. It hangs around a bit, doesn't it? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, let me just say first up that it's not in the Bible, uh, though it hangs around as a bit of a proverb for Christians. Uh, I want to say um, uh, cleanliness is next to impossible. Uh, If you think about it, uh, everything I own or everything I do seems to end up with something needing cleaning. Well, for example, uh, this shirt that I'm wearing, um, it's going to end up in the dirty clothes basket tonight. Oh, Does any of you ever get two days out of one shirt? Now, we'll keep that a little, little secret, shall we? Um, um, my first paid job. I grew up at Old Norlunga, the uh, southern side of Adelaide, uh, in those days, it uh, sounds like ancient history now, doesn't it? In those days, uh, a small town before the suburban sprawl went south. Um, it had all the basics, one shop, one pub, one post office, an institute, netball courts, and a footy oval, and one primary school course. Uh, my mum, uh, she got the cleaning contract at the primary school and three nights a week, when I was a student there, uh, so kind of the 10, 11, 12-year-old, uh, I used to stay back after school and help mum with the cleaning. Now, that's exciting, isn't it? Something to tell all your friends at primary school. Um, and the best part of it, though, was every now and again, mum would let me use the big floor buffer. So if you can imagine a little 10-year-old boy hanging on to a floor buffer and work polishing a surface like this floor. Uh, that was lots of fun. Uh, the worst part of the job was the toilets. Now, so if you were at that primary school, after school, you would have seen a little boy uh, carrying a big box of toilet rolls off to the toilet block to uh, clean and uh, stock up the toilet. Um, Look, I always thought toilets were self-cleaning. You know, that water thing. I, uh, but no, I, for all of those of you who have cleaned a toilet, I pay tribute to you um, because they're not always self-cleaning, are they? No. Today's psalm is not about cleaning schools, clothes or floors. It's far more profound. It's a a psalm about our God who transforms the human heart from the inside out. 
Uh, the best way David was trying to describe it was like being made clean. <laughs> Lord, created me a clean heart is David's prayer, David's cry to our compassionate and loving God. It is something that is good for today and it is good for eternity. This work that God does in the human heart and transforms us. It's, it's a miracle, isn't it? That deep work that God does. David begins with a humble confession and God does this amazing creative work in his life and renews David from the inside out and renews his relationship that he has direct with God. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The struggle with sin is part of our experience. Temptation, sin, but then there is this gift from God, which is forgiveness and renewal. We sh- these things should all be familiar to us in the Christian life. David does come before God and he's confronted with his own sin. It's like he feels he is stained. Wash me, David says in verse 2, thoroughly of my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop. Now hyssop is a small shrub often associated with uh, God's uh, forgiveness and uh, salvation and it was uh, kind of a, it's similar to a kind of a mint bush, if you like. But it was used in that way. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What was David's circumstances before uh, he wrote this psalm? Let me give you a quick snapshot uh, if you want more detail, it's in Second Samuel 11. But, uh, David had sinned with Bathsheba and sinned grievously. David did nothing wrong at first. Uh, the story begins really with David walking out on his rooftop and he saw Bathsheba purely by accident. You know, at that point, there is temptation for David. He could have turned around and gone back inside. See, temptation itself is not sin. It's what you do with it, isn't it? Uh, where we get ourselves into trouble in our relationship with God. David saw Bathsheba purely by accident. But we know David didn't stop there. He called Bathsheba to himself, committed adultery. And when she sent word to the king, David, that she was pregnant, David had her husband placed in the front lines of battle. He was a soldier where he would be very high probability that he would die. And then he married Bathsheba upon his death. But God sent Nathan the prophet to confront David over what he had done. Well... What David found when confronted with his own sin that he wanted to cry out to God. 
So David knew of God's steadfast love and mercy. David pleads for forgiveness. What does this psalm say about God? This psalm speaks of God who has steadfast love and abundant in mercy. David knows God but pleads for forgiveness. Why? Because he knows of the very character of God. This steadfast love, this loving kindness, this unfailing love, this abundant mercy, this tender mercy, this great compassion. When you pray, what comes to mind about God, our Heavenly Father, when you pray? For David, steadfast love and abundant mercy. Uh, Sometimes we might go down a a bit of a a track off off to the side, Um, you know, that we might have this image of God who's like a a divine policeman who's got his baton out just waiting to catch us out and wave the baton at us. Mm, The other end of the spectrum is like God might be a heavenly version of Father Christmas (laughs) just to give us good things. Lord, I want to be wealthy. I want to, you know, all that, all those lists of things that we kind of, we might dare to run past God and say, God, can you give me this? Neither of those are satisfactory. David comes to God, steadfast love, abundant mercy. Have mercy on me, David writes in this psalm, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly. It is that mercy that David knows. And and I hope for yourself that you know too, yourself, that great mercy of God. That mercy which our God comes to us and and relates to us with compassion. God is not there waiting to catch us out and point the finger at us. He comes to us with mercy and compassion. And that loving kindness that is steadfast, that endures, that is there day in and day out. We might go up, (laughs) we might go down. Depends on the day, doesn't it? Uh, We have good days and bad days. But God, his faithfulness and his steadfast loving kindness is there, consistent. David asked for his sins to be blotted out. The picture here is that like sin is like having a debt written down in the ledger. And God, uh, uh, sorry, David asked God simply to take that debt away, <laughs> to wipe the ledger clean, to forgive his debt. It's a big ask, isn't it? Uh, have you ever been down to the bank and asked them to uh, forgive your credit card debt? Can you just, you know, return that balance to zero? Uh, forgive my debts. You ever done that? No. 
No, no, we wouldn't dare, would you? Because you know what the answer would be from the bank. Or if you've ever been to the bank and said, oh, look, uh, I've got this mortgage thing. Um, can you just forgive that uh, mortgage and, uh, and everything will be sweet, you know? No, it's, it's, a, it's almost a nonsense to think like that. But in our relationship with God, it is not nonsense to come to God and ask for our sins to be blotted out. Why? There is mercy, there is steadfast love, and there's God's forgiveness. David understood that this sense of approaching God, that God wouldn't kind of sweep his sin under the carpet and pretend that nothing happened. His sin needed to be forgiven. Uh, as Christians, we take sin seriously uh, because God does. <laughs> you know, the wages of sin is death. We hear from Paul in Romans chapter 6. David writes this psalm. He continues on in verse 3 and in verse 5. I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David owns his own stuff. <laughs> you know, have you ever, when you've been responsible for something, been tempted to point to someone else and say it was their fault? Uh, and look, if you haven't got anybody to point to and say it was their fault, uh, you can always blame the government, can't you? Kind of, it, it, you know, there's, it's easy to find someone else to blame and point the finger at. David, when he comes to God in this psalm, says that I, he uses the I, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You know, God is never fooled by us pointing the finger at someone else. Uh, we, our relationship with God is a transparent one. We, we, there's no secrets, is there, between you and God? God sees it and knows it all, e even before you tell him. And so David here just uses the word, you know, I have. He doesn't blame anybody else. He doesn't blame Bathsheba. He doesn't blame this or that. Uh, um, he certainly can't blame the government, can he? Because David was the government as the king. He accepts personal responsibility. And I want to say to you that in our relationship with God, th this is vitally important. It, it's it's an honesty that we just have before the Almighty. But what does God desire for David? God desires a pure heart. David understands this. God desires purity. It's always a matter of the heart first in our relationship with God, isn't it? You know, it's nothing to do with uh, how clean we are on the outside. <laughs> it's all to do with what's happening in the inner life in our relationship with God. You know, God is not impressed whether you have a clean or a dirty shirt 
on this morning. Uh, God is not impressed with uh, how flash your car is when you drove into the car park uh, and whether you had uh, done a little polish job on it or not. You know, all of that is immaterial to God because God first looks at your heart. It's always a heart matter first. In Revelations, uh, uh, we're told, uh, sorry, in verse 6, there's this revelation. Behold, you delight in truth in the inner being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. David understands that God desires a purity in the inner heart, the inner person. Uh, and this miraculous thing that God does is we are transformed. That's where God does the deep work in our life. Uh, we are transformed from the inside out. The only way for David to have an inner cleansing was for God to teach him. So he asked God for help. He asked God for wisdom. For us in our lives, uh, day by day, what do you ask of God? This sense of an inner work, a deeper work in your life. So when we pray, we might ask, Lord, make me more like your son, Jesus. That Jesus' attitudes might become your attitudes. That his great command of God, you know, loving God and loving your neighbour, that in every word and every action, we might live out that great command from Jesus. Lord, guide my thoughts, my actions. Have that pure heart within me, Lord. Do that work. The growth in Christian maturity is not that we are perfect or without sin, but with the help of God's work in our lives, of what we know of our Saviour, Jesus, on the cross, of how the Holy Spirit works each day in us, that we sin less often, that we become more like Jesus, that Jesus' attitudes become our attitudes. This is the deeper work that David's asking God to do in his life in this psalm. That he might have a pure heart before God. That there might be a transformation of David on the inside. Oh look, David does say, uh, verse 7, verse uh, 3 to 9, uh, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. And let me hear joy and gladness. To talk about sin and repentance might sound a bit of a heavy topic. But it is we need to go through that repentance to discover the joy and gladness in our relationship with God. It's like when we hear the word repentance, we should say, you beauty, let's go, let's do it. Because we know the outcome is joy and gladness in, with God. Um, Jesus, in Luke 15, 
where he teaches a parable about the lost being found, makes the point of this parable that when one person repents, it's like there is a party in heaven. This is how important it is, this word repentance. Oh yes, it might be repentance might bring a sense of, of sorrow in our heart before God, but we know that it moves on to joy and gladness. Sin does break relationships, but when that relationship with God is restored, there is joy and gladness. When David knows he has forgiveness from a God who is merciful and the loving kindness of God, David asks that he might hear joy and gladness. Could church be a joyful place? Of course. Could there be a gladness amongst God's people? Of course. There is a rejoicing in a relationship restored and a relationship restored with God because of repentance and forgiveness. Should there be a party at church every time someone repents? That's not a bad idea. What are we doing over morning tea this morning? Anybody bring a, um, I'm just making this up on the spot, you can tell, can't you? Uh, a repentance party cake. What would that look like? But it's this sense of, of taking the time to just enjoy our relationship with God and have a gladness and a lightness in our heart for what God has done in our lives. Repentance might start off as a heavy word, and might stir sorrow in our heart as we repent of a sin. But we know where it's going. <laughs> we know where it's going. There'll be joy and gladness in our relationship with God that's restored. Jesus did tell that parable, lost sheep, lost coin, the prodigal son, the lost son, if you like, in Luke 15. Uh, if you want to read that, please, uh, this afternoon, browse through Luke 15 and read that all again. But there is this sense that when the lost is found, there is joy. And Jesus says that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When you repented, <laughs> there's joy in heaven. It's only God who can create that clean heart. And David does ask to be made a different person. There is this renewal for David. This is where it goes. Verse 10 and 11. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. There is a restoration here that takes place. God never turns away anyone who comes to him with a humble heart. God never turns away anyone who comes to him uh, with a humble heart. 
this God who created is the God who recreates uh, an amazing work within the human heart. David asked God to make him a different person. Now that's, that's, you know, have you ever tried to change a habit? How much work is that to change a habit? They, they say it takes about eight weeks or so of doing the new thing before it even gets close to becoming a new habit in your life. Um, has anyone changed a habit lately? Uh, you have to be very intentional. It, it takes work. And in the end, you're only changing an outward action usually, uh, or some routine in your day that you're trying to make different. Can you imagine what it takes to make someone a different person from the inside out? Well, that is God's work, isn't it? That is God's work that we're talking about this morning. A clean heart that is a pure heart, a repentant heart, a forgiven heart, a joyful heart, a gladness of heart in our relationship with God. The good news is this, when we come to Christ, things change. If anyone is in Christ, we're told in 2 Corinthians, they are a new creation, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. There is a life-changing experience in our relationship with God. But it's not just that moment. Uh, What happens next? For David, what happens next? David sees things differently. The inner person has been changed and there's outward actions that David wants to do because of the inner change. He's experienced forgiveness. He's experienced redemption. He's experienced joy. And his relationship with God has been renewed. It's like David's had a good cleaning (laughs) from the inside out. And it's not to do with soap. (laughs) Now he's going to serve God in a new and a fresh way. In verse 13, David declares that he's going to teach others (laughs) now that very thing that he's experienced. Well... Isn't good news always worth passing on to others? It is. David's going to teach others in verse 13. He tells us, I'll teach transgressors your ways, that is God's ways, so that people, sinners, will turn back to you. And then in verse 15, he says he's going to do something else as well. I will worship and praise God. My mouth will declare your praises. Verse 15. It's like... David has a new mission in life. He's going to teach others about how to be restored to God and he's going to worship and praise God. Uh, His mouth is going to declare God's praises. You see, when things change on the inside, it does come out on the outside. Words and actions, something to be shared. Well, let's go back to this key verse. It's verse 10 of Psalm 51. And 
these words, David's words, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hang on to this verse. And somewhere in this week, if, if you're seeking a fresh start in your relationship with God, some renewal in that relationship with God, if you think perhaps that you've plateaued a bit and Lord, you know, what's going on? Use David's words as your prayer. Ask God to do a deeper inner work in you and refresh your spirit. And let me say, if there's sin, then repent. And be open to the possibilities of joy and gladness in your relationship with God. Let's pray. This is uh, just a moment of quiet uh, for you to ponder things in your relationship with God. Lord God, uh, you know our inner heart. Do a deep work in each of us, Lord. Amen.